Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business. So on today's podcast, I'm absolutely delighted to have Lisa Clifford, Managing Director of Power for Success, as my guest. Now, I've known Lisa for, as my children would say, hundreds of years, and uh, we go back an awful long way. And uh, it's great to see uh, Lisa developing a range of offerings for clients and continuing to evolve and develop, all based around this kind of unstoppable energy that she has and she brings to her uh, clients. So... um, on a LinkedIn profile, it says, um, high performance speaker, trainer, coach, and broadcaster. So no pressure on me to, uh, to to get the best out of you today then, Lisa. Welcome to the Impact Sessions. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. No problem at all. A pleasure as always. Um, so uh, what I want to talk about today, I want to get through um, um, some content that inspires our audience really about this kind of um you know power for success really so um you already create and share great content yourself so hopefully we can get even more from you and some of your dna on this podcast so if that works for you i'm going to crack through a few questions if that's okay oh yes i'm ready excellent okay so I'm going to start with a little bit of a, 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 a compliment for you. That you're probably one of the most positive and upbeat people I know, uh, and I've perhaps known for a long time. Um, how do you keep yourself so positive, Lisa, and, and, and upbeat on a day-to-day basis? How do you do that? Mm. Well, you know, we're all quite self-critical. So I, when you say you're one of the most positive people, you, I'm one of the most positive, positive people you know. I think, oh, no, but yesterday I was in a bad mood. And I think the key is... I process my stuff. So if if I'm feeling a certain way, mm. I process it. I don't I don't bury it, bury it. I don't uh, deny myself of it. I don't overthink it with positivity. I process it so it's up and down. What processing means is I look at if something's um, if a thought's not working for me or I'm not feeling great, I look at what is that mm. rather than deny it and then work through it. So you're looking for the root cause rather yeah. than the, the end game, as it were. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think uh, positive thinking is about not allowing yourself to have a positive, uh, negative thought. And I must think of override it with a positive one. And that's just rubbish. But you're just masking something there, aren't you, really? Exactly. You're painting over something, but you've still got the damp behind the wall, haven't you, really? Exactly. And and as we grow and set great goals, our stuff, and I'm being polite because I'm in a gentleman's company, <laughs> but our stuff comes up to the surface yeah. and we're facing it. And, um, and the stuff being, you know, I've got a big event that I'm running next year and some of my stuff is what if nobody books? What mm. if people think I'm rubbish? What if I am rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> None of which so, is likely to be the case, by the way, but there you go. So that's my stuff coming up of my self-doubt, and it needs to come up so I can work through it. So what is it about that that I need to look at and either uh, work on or address that it's no longer a fact? Mm. So you're eradicating the uh, the sort of the variables out of that, aren't you, really? Yeah. And all these things sit in our unconscious mind. So it's a bit, you know, our unconscious thinking comes from our conditioning Mm. as children. 
So the stuff that's in our unconscious mind that's just been accepted will come up to the surface when we're about to start doing some really brilliant things in our life that, that's likely to hold us back. But if you work through it, they no longer, it no longer claims that power over you. Mm. I do a networking skills workshop and I always say to people, uh, write down two things. One is you're about to enter a room that you've never been in before and you can hear the noise and the clinking of glasses and you know that kind of thing. So you've arrived and you can hear there's a hubbub behind the door. So how do you feel before you walk through the door? And secondly, if you've got any concerns, what are those concerns? And people are always, you know, the common ones are, you know, nobody want to talk to me. Um, or I might feel irrelevant. Or um, what if what if somebody asks me stuff I don't know? Or, you know, that kind of thing. And I always just say, blame your parents. Yeah. And they'll say, why should I blame my parents? Because they always say, don't talk to strangers. And everyone's taught, don't talk to strangers. And then when you go to work, you go into a room of 45, 50 strangers. Why would that be comfortable? So that's your unconscious mind, isn't it? Telling Absolutely. you this is a place of, it, it can only have stranger danger that goes with it, which is not true, but you've got to work through that with yeah. them, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And ultimately our mind just wants to keep us protected. And the best way it can do that is by keeping us small. Mm. So I guess how I stay positive is I don't deny my thoughts and feelings. I work through them. So they work through up and out. Mm. And um, and I keep my mind on the facts. Mm. What are the facts? Not what my assumptions. Not what the what are the gaps are filled in. Not what's the story. What are the facts? And, and usually, not the emotions then either. So the emotions are part of the facts of what underlie the case then, are they? So no, the emotion the emotions are linked to our perspective mm. of the facts. <laughs> Right. I feel like we need a whiteboard to I think write we might this up. Do. Yeah, go on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we so situations and experiences don't turn up with a meaning. Mm. We give them meaning. Right. And then we have a feeling about the meaning we've given things. Mm. So if you strip away the meaning and therefore the feelings, you're just left with the facts. So mm. when you just focus on what are the facts in this situation, when you just focus on those, then you find that you have a lot less stress. Okay. Well, we've got deep fast. We've got there, deep, Nick. deep, deep. Very early, it's gone very, <laughs> very, very quick, very dark, very deep. Okay, so this podcast entitled "Creating the Unstoppable You." Okay, so what do you think are the most common things that you see that actually stop people from realizing their true potential? You've got years of experience of working with people who are um, they, they never quite get there, or they're engaging you to help them to get there. What are the most common blockages that you see? Well, there's two. There's two, and. Um, and I see this so frequently. Number one is they don't dare to dream big enough because what's the point? Mm -hmm. So their mind has got so used to having their you know, second league goal rather than their premier league goal. So mm -hmm. they automatically start to set goals or outcomes that are probably more reachable or tangible. And so they don't dare to dream big enough because there's no point because they probably won't achieve it in their mind. So that's, they're, not that's stretching, they're not stretching themselves from no. the start. So if you're not stretching yourself, you're, not, you're only going to ever achieve averageness if your goals are average, aren't you, I yeah. guess? Yeah, okay. And so I was working with a sales team not that long ago and every single one of them in the sales team admitted to not wanting to set big goals in case... Yeah. Two things, what would people think of them? And the other one is, what if I'm disappointed? Right. And so they automatically limited the range that they would set goals within, not realising they were doing it until I put the mirror up and mm. said, but what if you could achieve anything? What's that? Let's decide once, you, once you've answered that, that you're not going to do it. But mm. let's not not allow ourselves not to think about I was it. I going to say, let's not, be that, let's not that be the limiting starting factor. Yeah. As in, 
well, I don't even dream that high because it just won't happen. So what did you transfer into that sales team then? What did they ultimately do as a result of that kind of intervention? So just with the question, and it's an, it's an NLP style really to ask it in a way of just what if mm. you could achieve anything, what would that be? And be, without limitation, without editing, just brainstorm all those down. Mm. And then the next the next part is, and, then, and this is one of the things that holds them back is, their belief about themselves, whether mm. they believe they can do it. And people get really stuck in the how. So if they've created that amazing vision, so oh, I want to be the top salesperson, I want to double my target, I know my target's half a million, I want to get a million. Mm. Then, if they've gone to that bit, then they, they think straight away, but how, how, how am I going to do it? And their knowledge, their current knowledge of the how, mm. blocks them. So we want Because their how's based on half a million not a million, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, their, their track record is half a million. I know how to do that. And if I knew how to do a million, I would have done it already. That kind of conversation. Mm. And so um, what I um, get them to do is spend more time in the vision to tell me more about the vision. What does that look like? Who's celebrating with you? What sort of clients have you got? What are they saying to you? Um, and like adding more value there. So like I just said, the the block is their current knowledge of the how. Mm. So, so they're almost accepting, well, I'm not going to grow as a person. So as I am now, that's all I'm going to expect of myself. Yeah. And, and so what I encourage people to do is... I have a technique called the timeline. Mm. So it's not a dance. It's very disappointing shame, for the shame. groups. Yeah, I was going to say, shame, shame <laughs> that really. All the studio's not probably big enough to do a, a timeline tango, I don't think, Lise. But the first step represents the present, where we are now. How mm. do, what do I think and how do I feel about the girl I've just set from here? The second step is stepping into the reality of it. If you're in the success of it, what does it feel like? What does it look like? What, what are you experiencing? And but in life, we don't spend enough time in that step. Mm. We spend most of the time on the first step that terrifies us. And, yeah. and we don't put our head in the second step. And then the third step is one month later, what's happened as a result of that? You've hit your one million. You've doubled it. What's yeah. happened? Oh, I'm being headhunted. Mm. I'm, I'm able to call the shots on my salary. I'm worth it. I'm self-funding. Yeah. Um, and so we go through that. And then when they step onto that timeline, it's like the, their mind has experienced it. So their belief starts to shape up. Mm. So if the mind can experience it, because you know that, um, I mean, athletes do it all the time. It's mm. not, it's nothing new. It's just that if you, it's, it's not good enough to know something, it's only good enough when you, when you put it into application. So um, when the mind visualizes something, it doesn't distinguish between visualization and reality. It thinks if you've visualized it, it's experienced it. So therefore it's possible. Wow. So the difference in people in the um, whole day, the difference in people. Stealing your, <laughs> sorry, Lisa's laughing because I'm stealing a cup of tea. I've got, got a tickle in my throat. I forgot to bring my water. I thought you were taking it away because I was making the place look messy. No, <laughs> that was a naughty girl in me feeling oh. like it was getting told off. <coughs> Apologise, listeners and viewers, for that cough. Yeah, Nick is human. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but the difference in the room, we spend the morning explaining, you know, when I do this Be Unstoppable Day, that's actually part of a, a leadership program. But yeah. in the morning, we're educating the mind. Then we come, when we come to do right now, what is possible? And we put it on the timeline, the difference in the energy and belief and what people are talking about, how they're talking, how they're standing, 
it's like putting a light switch on. Mm. It's pretty amazing. I mean, that's powerful as a group. It's powerful for individuals as well. But I'm going to take you up on something about, um, I've put on here, so yo-yo diets, the things like, you know, people don't sustain weight loss, do they, when they go on a yo-yo diet. So only regime change can do that. So if you're going to create an unstoppable you, do you need a permanent shift in that mindset? Mm. It's not a temporary fix, is it really? I guess this is to deliver sustainable results. Yeah. I mean, all my work is experiential because we don't change anything fundamentally just from knowing it mm. or reading it or hearing about it. Change only happens when we embody it. And because of our conditioning, so a mm. lot of who we, well, all of who we are is based on what's been programmed into us until we start to unpack it and change it. And that, that can be clunky and it can be hard. So I make it as easy as possible for people, for them to see their potential through doing something they wouldn't normally do. Mm. Um, we will come on to those two things in a minute that I'm aware of that you do, which are, <laughs> they are, you know, a, a bit of a game changer for a lot of people when they've done them, but we'll not, we'll not, uh, we'll, we'll hold our... I'll wait for the cue. Yeah, we'll hold our, uh, we'll hold our gunpowder on that one for now. So, um, so the way that people change the way that they think is by experiencing something mm. That is undeniable, mm. undeniable. And then it is programmed in, in the same way the other stuff is. The other thing is we have to experience something because it changes our cellular DNA, which then also impacts the way that we move forward or back. Mm. So the quick fixes help that initially, just to, just maybe that, that initial mind shift or power shift in the brain. But sustainability is about behaviour change. And is that kind of how it works? They've got to do the quick fix first to see something that, just changes perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, we do something that defies logic, that mm. actually tells the mind what you have believed to be true for years, actually, isn't. in circumstances, isn't. So what else do you believe to be true that holds you back that you can shift mm. so therefore you can move forward in the direction you want to go in? Okay. Now, I want to talk to you about cynics, okay? You work individually with people who've said, I want to work with Lisa Clifford, I want to be an unstoppable person. But you also work with teams. In those teams, there will be people who are in those teams who just either don't want to get it, don't believe it, think it's a bit of a, you know, a coaching bunk and wherever it might be. So is it possible, and if so, how do you create an unstoppable person who isn't really bought into the concept of that as a team member? Yeah, it's a good question because um, I am used to standing in front of a room that has their arms folded and they're laid back in their seat as if to say, right, come on, love. Impress me. <laughs> yeah, impress me. <laughs> do your stuff. I don't need motivating. And in fact, they're right. They don't need motivating. It can't come from somebody else. Mm. As you say, don't call me a motivational speaker or an inspirational speaker. Uh-huh. Um, and so, um, but what happens is my style... And my approach to them has them open. Mm. And, and it's rare these days that I handle, handle, but that I come across many cynics, actually, mm. because I just I just allow people to have the mindset that works for them. But usually a couple of the stories that I tell at the beginning demonstrate that I'm not, I'm not going to do anything to them. Mm. In fact, if they have any shift or any change, it's because of what they've brought to it. And that's true, isn't it? It is, yeah. You, you Otherwise... You're doing training, which is imparting your knowledge and wisdom for someone to do something with. I call that been on a course, you know, where where they're going to work on a Monday, they go on a course, and Tuesday or Wednesday they're they're doing something different, but by Thursday or Friday they're back to their old self. You're really developing as a from a coaching point of view their own 
uh, ambitions and beliefs, whatever they may be, aren't this? And that does take a, um, a an investment from that person themselves, doesn't it? It really? does, yeah. And I try to get them to work out what's in it for them. Mm. You're going to be sat in this room. Uh, in fact, nobody needs to be in this room. If anybody doesn't want to be here, you can go. And the free, you know, the freedom that they could just walk out the door yet they choose to stay mm. means that they have to contribute value yeah. for themselves. And um, but I, I have to say, you know, as I fine tuned this work. Mm. There are hardly ever any cynics, and the one, and then the ones that start off as cynics come to me and apologise later. Yeah, because I I treat them um, knowing that they've got an app, even though they work for a company, they've got freedom of choice. Yeah, nobody removed that from them. They've got absolute freedom of choice, and I respect that. But I also respect the that the time they're spending with me, they'll never get back. Mm. Never get back. And often those cynics, if they've been through a journey with you, will become big advocates, won't they? Yeah. And and will shout the loudest because they've, they've had such a mind shift of, well, I thought this would be, you know, complete bunkum, but wow, I didn't think that was going to happen to me. So let's take you on, on the cynical journey around the two things that you do that I think are fantastic, but a lot of people might go, really? Mm. So I'm going to talk about, Often people, do people sometimes think of these as stunts in inverted commas? Where tricks. Tricks and stunts, okay? So we'll come on to them. So first one, you operate a highly regulated and very professional firewalking service. And I say it's highly regulated and, 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 and professional because, you know, you've got to be careful if, you, if you're going to put a fire pit together and get people to walk over that. It doesn't need to be done in a haphazard or slapdash way. And I know yours are fantastically well organized and structured and all that kind of thing so that's the first thing fire walking the second thing you do is the arrow break where someone places an arrowhead in the throat and breaks that against a piece of wood rather than getting themselves skewered by it through the through the sort of esophagus really so do you want to explain how each one sort of works and why you do them and and what do the audience uh, and participants think about fire walking it's got all sorts of connotations and and why would I break an arrow in my neck? What's that going to do for me? Just explain those two for me, Lisa, because they're really at the heart of some of the things that you do, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I bring all of those teachings into everything I do. So it came about years ago. I would do goal setting sessions with groups of people. and think, well, nothing's changed about them. I mean, you know, they're going to do this goal that they haven't done for the last three years, but yes, they're going to do it this year. Something needs to change. Mm. And a little voice in my head said, why don't you do a firewalk? And another one said, don't be stupid. I mean, I've got multiple voices in my head. Yeah, yeah. I have to keep them under control. We, well, we're not going to analyse that. That could be a, a, <laughs> a very long podcast looking at that then, Lisa. But a lot of people will be agreeing. <laughs> um, and so I then uh, thought I'll Google, and there are some courses that you can do over two days. They're about 500 quid. And I thought, oh, if I'm taking people over red hot coals barefoot, I need to go with a... a Real professional. I don't want to do a two-day course. You'd have to say a two-day course, 500 quid, would slightly worry you, wouldn't it, to be honest? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so I trained with the originator of firewalking who brought it into the westernised culture, and I trained with her about 12 years ago. Mm. And, and subs subs subsequently, I um, have done a lot of training. Now I'm mm. an instructor of instructors. But what I loved about the firewalking was it's um, – you can't, you can't trick the fire. There's, we don't make the fire cold or cooler or tell you how to walk in a way that you don't quite connect with the fire. Mm. Well, there are instructors that do that yeah. and they run very good fire walks and they get great results for their clients. Ours is about um, what does it take to raise your game, your mind to where you can even walk on fire 
and not burn your feet. Mm. And there's a way, there's a way of raising who you are without it being, you know, I won't shout, but there's some, Tony Robbins is one where you go over saying, cool moss, cool moss, cool moss. Yeah, lots of rah-rah, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mine is about holding your power inside you, which is why I call the business power for success, because it's about who you are inside and being switched on and walking across. Drop that mm. and walk over the same coals with the same feet, the same action, the same coals. You can burn your feet. Mm. And, um, and it's just, you know, blisters, like if you touch a pan, hot yeah. pan. But it means that when you stand at the front of that fire, you you have to be all that you can be in that moment to walk over it. And there's no amount of BS mm. that's going to get you over it. Yeah. Um, and it's the way that you show up for it. And what I love about it is if you show up for life in the same way, your goals, your dreams, your outcomes, your relationships, your business, then what is possible? It does shift the mind, doesn't it? If you can walk over something that you believe you shouldn't be able to, like you say, what else can I achieve? Okay, so the arrow break, because I've seen videos of you doing the arrow break, and it's it's a bloody big arrow, isn't it? You yeah. know, it's, it's a properly long arrow with a very sharp <laughs> point, and it goes straight into the, 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 the nape of the neck, or the, not the nape, the, the front is of there. the esophagus bit when there, people, just yeah. above your chest plate. So how do you break that then without stabbing so yourself? So what that, <clears throat> everything has to serve a purpose. Now, just, just going back a tiny bit about the firewalk, when I'm running my, when I'm doing my talks and my speaking on stage and my workshops, I say to people, we're not firewalking today, but I guarantee... Most of you will wish once I finish that there's a fire waiting for you. Mm. And they, they think, they think yeah, I'm really glad you haven't got one. But when we get to the end, always people come up to me and say, I want to do a fire walk with you. I want to do a fire walk with mm. you. Because their comfort zone stretched ready for them to do it. It's, they, quite a, it's quite a challenge building a fire pit though, isn't it? It's not, it's yeah. not something you just turn up and rock up and do. You've got to, no. you know, the, the, how long does it take to build one? So mm. we get a ton of logs we have to get a certain we, we work with silver birch logs mm. um and it takes about an hour to build it yeah but it's it's where you build it it's how you build it and then it takes and and the really interesting thing about running firewalks is the workshop you run alongside the fire burning when i say alongside i mean inside yeah, unless yeah. the weather's beautiful and we're outside but i always have a fire tender uh, because you can't leave the fire. Yeah. And, um, but I have to run the workshop to exactly the same pace of the fire burning. If there's a wind, if it's raining, they all burn at different paces. Right. And so the people in the room have to be ready. And I don't mean like, rah, 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 yeah. but their belief, their <clears throat> self-confidence, their um, sense of, right, if I know what it's going to feel like for it to feel right for me to go over. And if it doesn't feel right, I'm not going to go over. Mm. I, have to, I have to get them to that mindset at the same time, the fire is coals, mm. not ash. Yes. You leave it too long, you've got a pile of ash go out too early, their energy yeah. drops and they're stood around the fire, their self-doubt's coming up. So that's quite... It's a logistical it's, challenge then, isn't it? It, it really? is, yeah. it is. <clears throat> but it's also an intuitive one as well because mm. we're more in tune than we realise. So it's quite an intuitive one. Um, the And people go over more than once. You know, wow. they go over more than once. And we even sometimes sing songs, <laughs> mm. which people might find scarier than the firewalk. But when they're out there doing it, they absolutely love it because we don't know uh, what we deny ourselves yeah. of through assuming that we're not going to enjoy that. Yeah. Anyway, the arrow break mm. represents, so we break the arrow in our throat. Now the arrow, for it to have its power, we have to give it a purpose, mm. represents our limiting beliefs. Right. So remember what I said about this big show I'm running next year? 
you know, what what if people think I'm rubbish? What if nobody books? What if I am rubbish? Mm. You know, what if I'm poorly on the day? You know, all those what ifs that are limiting beliefs. Unless we bring them into awareness, they actually silently hold us back. Mm. And they hold us back in a way of us having excuses that are flipping good. You know, like, oh, I can't, I can't do, I can't grow my business until Brexit's over. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. So the arrow represents all those limiting beliefs. Um, I'm not tall enough, I'm not slim enough, I'm pretty enough, I'm not academic enough. And so when you give the arrow that purpose that when I break it in my throat, and there's a way of raising our energy, breathe three on three, bang. When we raise our energy... And we give the arrow that purpose, we break through those limiting beliefs mm. and we actually do some reprogramming in our mind. But it also is in our cellular mem- memory as well of, well, the last time I felt fear, I moved forward with purpose and intention. I got past that and how I felt and the energy yep. and all that kind of thing. So it, it is a game changer for people individually as well, isn't it? So It's the courage it takes to choose to step forward because we don't do next year, next, next, next. We don't do that. We no. do just step forward and it feels right for you. Mm. And I'm not, you know, my my job is to bring out your greatness and for you to see it mm. and then know you have it and harness it. And so people say the arrow break is more profound than the fire walk. Mm. I, I guess there's a, in, in, in a sliding scale of, of danger, <laughs> fire walk, you could burn your feet. Yeah. <clears throat> the arrow break, if it doesn't work, it's got other consequences, hasn't it, really? Yes. It has. It has. <laughs> so in that respect, I guess that's right. Okay. So, Lisa, you're you've got some unique talents. You've got some a unique approach to how things. I I I've been out networking for a number of years. You don't come across a Lisa Clifford very often, which is great. So not in a, you know I don't not that I don't want two of you, but you know what I mean in a unique sense. So so who does the Lisa Clifford way appeal to, and is there a specific client demographic that you like to work with? You know, is there where's the fit? Yeah. Well, first of all, what I do is for anyone. Mm-hmm. So some some companies say, oh, yeah, my, my team um, are not ready for that kind of thing. The truth is they are. Mm-hmm. Just your belief about them is holding them back. Right. So there's, <laughs> so there's that. Um, but uh, the work that I create brilliant results in is when I'm working with sales teams. Right. The te- I take them through the model of thinking. I don't teach them how to sell. They've got that skill set. Yeah. Um, I teach them how to get out of their own way, align their minds in such a powerful way that they believe they can get the outcomes they hope and dream for mm. and align everything about themselves with it. So sales teams and have proven to get massive enhanced results beyond their um, expectation. For do you want to give us, um, without breaching any confidentialities, obviously, mm. do you want to give us some examples? I know you do a lot of work in the hospitality and the mm. hotel sector and things. That's that's uh, something that I've seen a lot of. Can you give some examples of, of, of where you've taken a sales team or an individual within a sales team to just heights that they wouldn't have even dreamt of? Mm. I guess there's one that's um, out there that I can speak about mm. is when I worked for IHG, mm. Intercontinental Hotel Group, I worked with all of their, a hundred of their sales team. Mm. And it was really about getting them ready for the next renegotiation period where their key accounts were really clamping down. We don't want growth. In fact, we want to take, we want to take some pounds off our daily rate. Mm. And, and so the sales team were perhaps in a mindset or could have been in a mindset of the powers in the customer's hands. It's in the negotiator's hands. And these are big multi-million pound accounts that Mm. they're negotiating. So they can't afford to lose it. So I might have to just do what the client wants. 
But from um, from them believing in themselves and aligning themselves, they then got pounds extra revenue profit within three months of the training. Wow. And so um, I was with one of the sales managers. This was a few years ago, but it is a, it is a testimonial case study that's out there that yeah. I'm confident that is okay to talk about. But I spoke to one of the salespeople a few months ago and she said, it's really interesting. A few years after that training, we were looking back over the accounts and the MD said, what happened there in that big spike? And they said, oh, got Lisa Clifford in to do some negotiation training. Mm. And it wasn't negotiating, it, but, it, but it just goes, show if, if, we're, if our minds aligned, we can achieve anything. But I think it's interesting there. The perception was they'd been on a negotiation training <clears throat> workshop, which they hadn't had there. Yeah. They'd basically been on an open your mind workshop and get your performance aligned to your sort of uh, aspirations. Slightly harder to quantify that in terms of, you know, telling your boss what you've been on. Yeah. So you just say negotiation skills training. So it's how people react to the content rather than what the content is, isn't it? I mean, I mean, people have, uh, are trained to have these amazing skill sets. And, and I know you deliver brilliant training. I've been on some of it. Oh, I wouldn't you. be the woman I am today if I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, okay. Let, let's let's stop the blowing smoke <laughs> up my ass session then. We'll, we'll move on from that, Lee. So there you go. And, um, but if their belief about themselves isn't aligned with their skill set they mm. will only ever deliver to the degree of their self-belief so it's a bit like they've been given the accelerator with the skill mm. but yet to equal measure they're holding themselves back with the brakes of the self-doubt right of i'm not good enough what if i fail what if i let people down i can't get that who do i think i am so you're not touching the accelerator on skills at all really are you just touching the belief and the, the sort of um <clears throat> aspirational side and that kind of thing the mindset yeah I'm taking the brakes off yeah. and then helping them decide what's where's the sat nav going. Mm. You can go anywhere, you know, let's let's go to France. There's a lot of people listening to this who probably don't understand that that's coaching in its purest sense because it's not about you, it's about them. Um, what would you say to people who, at this in, in, in 2020, as this goes out, are not investing in coaching and don't understand coaching and they think coaching's... Yeah, it's not something for them. What would you say to those people? <clears throat> well, if they dared to believe their company could achieve anything, what would that be? Mm. If they answered that question, mm. what would that be? Because a lot of people are looking at this year to decide next year. Right. So the value of coaching is if, if your team were high performers at the top of their game, they were on it, motivated, excited, what would you love to achieve? What's mm. the answer to that? Otherwise, what you can do is look at this year and decide next year. And all you do is look at this year and you put 5% on exactly. <clears throat> or 10% or whatever yeah. it might be. But there's no plan for that either, is it? Because it's basically saying, well, we expect growth. Uh, why? Well, because we should grow. Yeah. So we'll put some growth figures in. Yeah. And then the team are not particularly switched on or motivated towards it. And at the end of quarter one, they're behind on the target and the whole thing becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, well, we thought it'd be a stretch. It is a stretch. It's probably a stretch too far. Therefore, you know, we've not achieved that. So um, who do you like working with, Lise? Give us an example. Are you, are you a team person, a person person? Who do you like working with? So I do do leadership programs mm -hmm. in companies where I work with all of the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a mixture of group sessions and individual coaching. Yeah. I absolutely love working with companies that want to achieve something amazing, like where they're thinking, I think we're crazy thinking we can do this, but can you, can you help us yeah. 
get out of our own way and go for it. I mean, and and they're usually people that are quite forward thinking that are already excellent, but they think, well, we can, you know, the degrees of margins, you mm. know, if we, if all of us, you know, St- Steve Redgrave said when, when he won the Olympics with the rowers, what if we rode as fast as we can, as hard as we can for as long as we can. Yeah. And when you've got a team that want to achieve greatness, so I love being part of that. Yeah. And anybody that's been finding it um, difficult to get ahead. Mm. I mean, I'm not looking for an easy life. I want the big challenges, the big targets. Yeah. And I quite like it when I work with a company and say, let's let's put let's put a target on what return on investment you want for this. Because that way you're backing yourself to deliver for them as well. Interestingly, you don't do coaching with sports people and sports teams, though, do you? Not sports teams, although um, I have worked with a professional racing car driver that won Le Mans, Guy Guy Smith. Yeah. And um, I worked with him a few years ago. I have actually, I have worked with a football team. Which one? Scunthorpe's under nines. Scunthorpe (laughs) under nines. Yeah, that might that might qualify as football team. That was an absolutely brilliant. It was somebody's dad that met me network and said, "We come and speak to our kids. They've not won for two years. The minute they start losing, the heads down. We come and talk to them." And I thought, well, I know nothing about children. Mm. I've got golden retrievers, and um, I know nothing about football. Yeah. But I, I got them to sit in a in a circle around me, well, a half circle. Mm. And I said, right, you remember Kilimanjaro, you remember arm exercise, you remember better than your best, you remember that. I gave them all something to remember yeah. because I had nowhere to put my notes. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> I made them my notes. And uh, anyway, we went through it and made it really experiential. I didn't dumb it down because I didn't know how to, yeah. so they, they had to put up with me. But then the dad called me um, a few weeks later to say, in fact, it was about a month later and he said they've played four matches and won four matches. And he said, but the best bit is their encouragement to each other on the pitch. They're shouting out, you can do better than your best focus, arm exercise, oh. you know, all of those things. And so, yeah, I've worked with a sports team. Excellent. Well, as a, as a Middlesbrough fan, I might just introduce you to our uh, team management and coaching team up in uh, the Riverside in Middlesbrough because... If we need some help winning some games, that might be exactly where we look, Lisa. So, <laughs> listen, Lisa, it's been an absolute it pleasure. It's over. Listen, I mean, we, we keep these sort of short and, and bite-sized so our listeners are, are inspired. That's hopefully, I'm sure, it has inspired some of our listeners. I'll give you one chance to give me a golden, a golden bullet answer. If someone's holding themselves back, what should they be doing? What should they be thinking about? What's the one little piece of advice you'd say to somebody? Try this. So I think it's probably a question. Mm-hmm. So if they've got a goal they want to go for, but they're holding themselves back or putting it off, I would ask them just for them to ask themselves, what am I keeping myself safe from? Oh, great question. Mm. To see if that's real or not. In most cases, it won't be real, will it? It's just a perception, isn't it? Okay. What a great answer to a great sort of uh, a final piece of advice, for Lisa, for the listeners. So thank you for being my guest Always a pleasure to be in your company. I'm going to sort of walk out of here 10 feet tall, <laughs> full of uh, positivity and and, uh, and and powered for success. But uh, I think I've already got that mindset in the first instance. So to some extent, he's rounding off some of the uh, the edges, I think, Lisa. So thank you for being my guest on the Impact Sessions. All your contact details will be on the end of the podcast. And um, hopefully our audience will be absolutely wowed by that and ready for powering forward in uh, the rest of 2020. Thank you. I've loved it. Thank you. <laughs>